I want to encourage you today that it doesn't matter what you might be going through. It doesn't matter what might have happened this week. It doesn't matter what might have gone on around you. I want to encourage you that it's not the fact that you went through something, but it's the fact that God always brings you out on the other side. That God is always on your side. That God is always there to help you to get to the other side. Somebody say amen. He's always there to bring you out. God doesn't bring the destruction or doesn't bring the calamity or doesn't bring the thing. But God will be there to help get you out of that. And so I want to encourage you today. Just be encouraged that God is good. Amen. This morning, I want us to bow our heads as we go into God's word this morning. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to hear your word. You said faith cometh by hearing and hearing cometh by the word of God. We thank you that our faith would increase today and we praise you for it now in Jesus mighty precious name. If you believe it, shout out. Amen. Somebody say this. Say, I believe in God's word. I believe in God's word. Go with me quickly to Mark chapter 9. I believe I have a word for us this morning. And Mark chapter 9 and verse 23, it said, Jesus said unto him, If thou can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Somebody say, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Somebody shout out like you mean it. Say, I believe. See, I believe today is your day of breakthrough. I believe today is your day of victory. I believe that today is the day for you to believe that what you might have been dealing with, what might have been going on around you, what might have happened before you walked in this moment, today is your day to walk into victory. How many believe that today? John 1.1, I love this scripture, says this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. See, we must get it settled in our hearts and settled in our minds and settled in our understanding that God and his word are the same. Somebody say God and his word are the same. That in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Somebody say the word was God. So if the word was God, that means the word is God. And so, therefore, we have to understand that God's word is the same as having him. That having God's word is just as good as Jesus standing right here, right now. Somebody say amen. That God and his word are the same. They are equal. Somebody say God and his word are equal. Somebody say equal. See, Luke chapter 1, verse 37 says this, For with God nothing is impossible. Somebody say with God. Punch your neighbor and say, with God, nothing is impossible. And see, God's word, God's word, the infallible word, that we could say it this way, with God's word, nothing is impossible. Just confess that this morning. Say, with God, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible with God. And so I want you to understand, I want you to have that settled down in your heart. I want you to get that, that nothing is impossible. No matter what the situation is, no matter what it looks like, no matter how difficult it might have been, no matter how, whatever the doctors might have said, no matter what the lawyers might have said, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. You see, God's word is seed. It is a faith seed. It's full of faith seed. 
It's an imperishable seed. If you look at with me with 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, it says, And being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. See, a farmer has to get the sowing of his seed into the past tense before it is possible to reap a harvest. I want you to get this this morning. A farmer that's sowing has to get the seed into the past tense. They have to have sowed the seed before it becomes, before they can reap a harvest. The receiving of God's word, the imperishable seed, has to be sown into the good ground of our heart. Somebody just point to yourself this morning and say, I am good ground. See, we get to choose. We've been, listening, we've been talking about lately the parable of the sower. If you haven't had a chance, I want you to go back. You can now listen to all my messages on podcasts now. And I want to encourage you that as you go back, take time and go back and listen to those messages. Continue to build up your faith on the Word of God. God's Word is an imperishable seed, and it's necessary to get the sowing into the past tense before the seed can begin its work. You can't walk in with the seed and say, man, look at my seed. You had to go and you had to sow it into the ground in order for it to become past tense. You say, hey, I planted some tomato seeds the other day. I planted some corn seeds and get it into the past tense. In other words, today you're planting, you're seeding, you're getting faith seeds put into your heart this morning. And you say, I received that word today. Somebody say, I received the word today. And see, it's necessary to get the sowing into the past tense before the seed can begin its work. Believing that God has already heard our prayer before the blessing is manifested is the good soil in which the imperishable seed, his word, grows and bears fruit. I'm going to say that again. Believing that God has already heard our prayer. How many believe God's already heard your prayer? Before the blessing is manifested is the good soil in which the imperishable seed, his word, grows and bears fruit. Believing that God has heard our prayer gets the seed into the ground. And then, somebody say, and then, not before, and then it goes to work. That's why it's so important. That's why I'm so excited to see everyone in the house of the Lord today. Because you're coming and you're getting faith seed planted into your heart today. That every time you come into the house of God, faith is being poured in. Faith is being planted into your heart. And see, he wants us to go forth in obedience, acting as if we believed him. See, God wants us to act as if we believed him. How many think we ought to believe God? When God puts a promise in the past tense, he thus authorizes and expects us to do the same. At the grave of Lazarus, Jesus said, while Lazarus was still dead, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. Not that thou hears me now, but that God already heard Jesus the moment that he prayed before he showed up four days later to Lazarus' tomb. He said, I thank thee, Lord, that thou hast heard me. Somebody say, heard me. Past tense. Past tense, the, the, the sick who prayed for the healing that say, before the healing materializes, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. The prayer of faith is believing that our prayer is heard before any answer materializes, before the answer is even manifested. We believe that God heard us. How many believe that God hears you this morning? 
How many believe that God hears your prayer? Before the hurricane showed up, God heard your prayer. Before the storm passed by, God heard what you prayed. Go to 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. I love this. It says, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything, somebody say anything, according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired. Somebody say desired. Past tense. I already desired it. Desired of him. It is before having experienced or being conscious of any change whatsoever that faith rejoices and says, it is written. Somebody say, it is written. When we ask for anything, we are to say on the authority of God's word, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. God said this, look at this example. God said to Joshua, see that I have given into thine hand, Jericho. Somebody say, given. In the past tense, he had already given Jericho over to Joshua. He had already given the blessing over to the Israelites. He had already given it over to the children of Israel. Joshua and his men put this victory in the past tense as God had done, and all the walls of Jericho fell down flat while they were acting in obedience and in faith to march around the walls of Jericho. And when they, on the seventh time, when they shouted a shout, all the walls came crashing down. But see, it takes faith. It takes obedience. And we have to put it into the past tense that we say, God, I know that you already heard me. God, in other words, they were standing there looking at the wall. They could see the wall. They could touch the wall with their physical. But in the spirit, God had already given them the city of Jericho. And so they said, God, I thank thee that thou hast given me the city of Jericho. And as they walked in obedience, they did and acted out their faith. I hope I'm stirring you this morning that there's things that that are in your life that God is speaking to you and encouraging you and saying, I've already given you this thing. I've already given you healing. I've already made a way for you to be prosperous. I've already made a way for your miracle. I've already made provision. And all you have to do is step out in faith and march and walk around and act as if it is already written because it is written. See, Jesus said to the ten lepers who asked for mercy, Go show yourselves to the priest. And his words unto them were as much as to say, I have given you my word that it is done. Jesus gave them his word because they knew that the law of the leper and therefore what he commanded, what Jesus commanded them to do, they knew what it meant. That they had, as they were walking, you know what, I believe that there could have been some of those lepers that came that they might have had leprosy to the moment they walked up to the priest. But see, they had to walk and act in faith and walk in and say, Jesus told me that I'm healed. Jesus told me to present myself to the priest. Jesus gave me his word that said I am healed, that I am whole. And so they had to go. They realized that they had put it in the past tense. They put their healing in the past tense before seeing it. 
it was manifested while they were acting their faith. Jonah gives us an example. He put his deliverance in the past tense, called his symptoms lying vanities. See, I believe that there are some, maybe in this room, that there are things that are contrary and counter to the word of God in your life. They are nothing more than just lying vanities that the enemy has tried to put in your way and tried to stop you from doing what God wanted you to do. Jonah called them lying vanities and sacrificed with the voice of thanksgiving. While he was still in the stomach of a great fish, it worked. All of a sudden, he realized, he put it in the past tense, that God was going to deliver him. And he realized that if he decided that this is going to be my fate, this is going to be the end, he could have realized that this is it. But instead, he began to say, God, I thank you, Lord. You're going to make a way where there is no way. And if you actually get down into the story, you realize that God sent the whale in order to save Jonah, that it was actually the provision for him to get where God wanted him to go. God had told him, go to Nineveh. God had told him, but he got to that place that the lying vanities, that God didn't send the whale to kill Jonah. God didn't send the storm because he disobeyed. Disobedience gets you out of the will of God. Disobedience gets you out of the walking in faith. See, we get it mixed up sometimes. Sometimes we think that God caused that storm to come up and Jonah to go into the water. No, Jonah was in disobedience to God. He was walking in blatant disobedience. He said, God, I know you want me to go to Nineveh, but I don't want to go. I'm not going that way. And what happened? It opened the door for the enemy to say, you know what? I'm going to kill Jonah. I'm going to cause the destruction. The thief comes not before to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But Jesus came to give us life. See, Jonah put his deliverance in the past tense and called his symptoms lying vanities. And sacrificed with the voice of thanksgiving while he was still in the stomach of the great fish, and it worked. The reason thousands and many believers are not getting what they pray for is that they are keeping their blessing in the future tense. One day God's going to bless me. One day I'm going to receive that. One day I'll receive my healing. One day I'll receive my salvation. One day... This is only hope, not faith. Faith takes the blessings now. Hope is expecting a blessing sometime in the future. Faith is taking now what God offers. Faith takes now what God has available for you. If the gifts of God were only promised gifts, we would have to wait for the promiser to fulfill his promises And the responsibility would be on him. But all of God's blessings are offered gifts as well as promised and therefore need to be accepted. Let me use a natural example. If my daughter, who's a three-year-old, I have to provide for her. So let's say she came to me and I decided I, I cooked dinner for her and I provided the dinner for her. I provided the food for her to eat. But she could go all day long and say, you know what, Daddy, why didn't you feed me today? Why don't I have any food? But I've already offered it. I've already put it on the table. I've got it in her place. And all she has to do is come and accept what is already provided. 
Jesus is not coming down again. Jesus has already come on the earth. He's already died on the cross for our sicknesses, for our diseases, for our salvation, for all the things, all the provision that we'll ever need. It's already provided, and yet we're thinking, well, God, one day you'll do it. But no, today, somebody say today. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to receive the promised gifts. See, look at this. I'm going to read it again. If the gifts of God were only promised gifts, we would have to wait for the promiser to fulfill his promises, and the responsibility would be on him. If I told my daughter, hey, I promise you tonight I'm going to cook you some chicken, and I promised her she would have to wait on me to go and to cook the chicken, to provide it for her, and she would be waiting on me, the promiser, not the promisee. But if I had already cooked the chicken and already got it off the stove and already got it on her plate and I said, hey, I promise that I will get you some food. I will get you some chicken tonight and I've already put it there. It's up to her to come up to the table and to sit down and to receive what has already been provided, what has already been promised. All of God's blessings are offered gifts as well as promised and therefore need to be accepted. The responsibility for their transfer is ours. This clears God of all responsibility for any failures. You know, think of how great and how powerful and just, man, how, how wise God is. God has relieved himself of all responsibility from all failures in our life. This clears God of that responsibility. The only reason that you are not saved a year earlier than you were saved is that you did not take what God had provided and what he was offering to you. Let's say today you receive salvation. Well, the only reason you didn't receive it yesterday is because you didn't know what was provided and you didn't accept the salvation that was already provided. When I do an altar call, I don't say, well, come back next week and come and this Wednesday and we'll have a class and you can come back next week and you'll be saved. No, we can pray the prayer of salvation right now. And the moment you confess Jesus as your Lord, the moment that you confess it with your mouth, that moment you're saved. That is faith. And it works the same way in every area in your life, in every circumstance in your life. God is not making you wait. In other words, you are actually making God wait. Go with me quickly to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5 and verse 24. Mark chapter 5 and verse 24 in the King James, New King James, it says this. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now, if you look in the context of Mark chapter 5, he's actually on his way to go pray for Jairus' daughter. And while he's going, there's a crowd of people following Jesus, and they're thronging him. They're pushing him, and he's going through a big crowd of sea of people. And it says in verse 25, now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. You know, I want to encourage you today that it doesn't matter how long it's been that you've been dealing with what you've been dealing with. If you can believe, if you can believe that today, somebody say, I believe. Somebody say it again, say, I believe. See, if you can believe that today is your day of breakthrough, that today is your victory, that today is the day that you have received of his word, See, it doesn't matter how long. See, sometimes I think we get to a place that we say, oh, well, we've been praying for that. I've been praying for that. And you've been praying in the future tense, waiting on God to do something that he's already done. I'm here to tell you that you don't have to wait 12 years, that the Bible is giving us an indication that you don't have to wait 12 years. 
You don't have to wait one day. You can believe by faith. You can receive it by faith. And it said in verse 26, and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, somebody say heard about Jesus. When she heard about Jesus, in other words, when she heard about the word, somebody say the word. Somebody say, hold up your Bible and say, this is my word. When she heard about the word, because Jesus was the word in the physical flesh, the Bible says in John 1.14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so we've already understand, we already clarified that God and his word are the same. Jesus is God. Therefore, Jesus is the word and they're equal. And so the moment that she heard about the word, the moment that she had an understanding that, man, that word, that Jesus is miracles, that Jesus is healing, that Jesus is salvation, that Jesus is provision, See, if you can believe all things, somebody say all things are possible to him that believes. Someone say it like you mean this morning. Say all things are possible to him that believes. So one more time, say it like they can, so they can hear it in celebration. Say all things are possible to him that believes. See, she came behind the, in the crowd and she touched the hem of his garment. For she said, if I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. In other words, look at this word. I want you to circle that word shall. There's, I, you know, I've heard it said that there's no stronger word in the English language than the word shall. But this is the definition. The shall is a formal or old-fashioned word used to say something that certainly will or must happen. Or that you are determined that something will happen. In other words, she put it in the past tense. That she said, if I may but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. I shall receive my salvation. I shall receive my provision. I shall have it. And what did she do? She did touch the hem of his garment. Jesus had a robe. Jesus would have been required that at each of the four corners of his outer garment, the Pharisees considered these tassels special marks of sanctity and sought to enlarge them. And so one thread of each tassel was in deep blue to remind them of their duty to keep the law. Or I'd like to say it this way, to keep God's word. And so she knew that the, the blue tassel represented the word of God. You know, think about not only was Jesus the word, but when she stretched forth and she touched the hem of his garment, you know what she was touching? She was touching his word. She was touching the word. She was touching the same word that you have in your seat right now. She was touching the same word that we read today. She was touching it by faith. And so that tassel represented the word of God and that here was a true Israelite whose hem was not worn in hypocrisy. In other words, Jesus was the true living Son of God. Somebody say amen to that. And see, it stood for the covenant of healing and that the word that had healed all Israel. In other words, she knew it represented the word that healed the children of Israel. If you look back in Psalms 105, verse 37, I'll just read it. But it, look at this, how God brought the children of Israel. He said, in verse, Psalm 105, verse 37, it says, He also brought them out with silver and gold, and there was none feeble among his tribes. 
God blessed the children of Israel, that millions of people were going, and that God said that he blessed them, that there was not one feeble among his tribes. Psalms 107.20 says, And he sent his word, and it healed them, and delivered them from their destructions. Guys, I'm here to tell you this morning that it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter the mistakes that you made. God will deliver you out of your destructions. God will deliver you. Jesus will save you. Jesus will turn it around. That it doesn't matter what you might have got yourself into. God will deliver you. It says that Jesus sent his word and it healed them and delivered them from their destructions. See, it was the word that got the children of Israel. It was their word that got them messed up and got them going around what should have taken three or four days and had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. That wasn't God. But then it was God's word that delivered them out of their destruction and told Joshua and Caleb, man, now I want you to go and to take Jericho. Now I want you to go and receive the word that God has for you. And so she acted upon her faith and it worked. She knew it because for the first time in 12 years, the blood ceased to flow. Verse 29, immediately, immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. No, I want to encourage you that you don't have to be, you don't have to run from doctors. You don't have to, you don't have to, you don't have to run from the report. If God's in it, if God's going to do something, you're going to know that God healed you. You're going to know that God touched you. And see, God wants to touch you today. God wants to deliver you today. God wants to bring you out today. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes. But the disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you. You say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction." Quickly, I want to share with you, there are nine steps to her healing. Number one, it was her condition. It doesn't matter what your condition is today, God will deliver you. Number two, she tried all human remedies. See, I think too many times we put God on the back burner and we wait and we try to do all these other things instead of putting God first. There's many times that God will do something if we'll put him first and we'll seek him first. And God will take care of it. She spent everything she had. She went to every doctor that she could go to. So she tried all the human remedies. She spent all that she had, number three. Number four, she heard of Jesus. She heard about the word. Number five, she determined to touch Jesus. Number six, she planned her procedure. Number seven, she exercised her faith. Number eight, she was instantly healed. And number nine, she knew she was healed. She knew that she was healed. Because she put it in the past tense, if I may but touch the hem of his garment, I shall, I'm already, the moment I shall be made whole. And Jesus tells her, be of good cheer, your faith has made you well, 
go in peace. Proving again the spiritual law that you can have personal faith in God's word and it will get you that which you believe for. Because there is nothing that is impossible to God. Let me read this commentary from Dakes real quick. It says, Jesus knew that he had not been exercising any particular faith in this case. So he recognized that she had faith enough to get her healing. See, many times I think we think that because Jesus, but see, Jesus was the word. And so therefore she exercised her own personal faith to receive her healing. You can use your own personal faith. Too many times people are looking to the faith of the preacher or the one who prays instead of getting and exercising personal faith. And this is why few people are getting such healings today. One wonderful thing about the gospel is that it's personal. How do you know that this gospel is personal? When others fail to or do not even try to exercise faith to help one in time of need, the individual needing help can still get what he needs and wants. It is all covered by the promises of God. One must learn to make it a personal matter to see to it that he himself is meeting the conditions of the gospel and answered prayer. You've got to make sure yourself that you have made yourself to receive the blessings and the promises and the gifts that have already been offered today. Personal faith comes by hearing the word of God. Nothing is impossible for faith today, just like in that day. Determined to use your faith today and your faith tomorrow. You don't have to stay where you are today. God has more. God has made a way where there seems to be no way. God has greater, and by faith, you can obtain it.